Good morning. We're living in a world where there is so much which is fake. There are fake goods being sold in shops and on the sideworks. There are many fake experts giving their opinions about a variety of things. And of course, we've seen the rise of fake news. I'm not sure if you're familiar with what is meant by the term deep fake. This is when videos are, are made using computers of people talking. It's entirely computer generated. Deep fake started off just being audio where they would sample a person's voice and then use that uh, algorithm to produce speech. And now deep fake, deep fake has even moved to video. ITV in the UK produced a different version of the Queen's speech this year, just for fun, but also to warn people about the danger of deep fake videos, that sometimes even what we see and hear people saying is not real. Over the last few years, we've seen globally a massive uptick in fake news. And fake news has really been driven by things like Facebook and Twitter and social media. Everybody with an internet connection is now an expert and can spread their views, which are often incorrect, misleading, and just plain untrue. There's an awful amount of false information floating around. I'm sure you also regularly receive fake emails telling you that you've won the lottery. And if you'll just hand over a deposit of $1,000, uh, they'll send you your winnings. But it's not just out in the world, in the marketplace, that we might encounter that which is fake. Within the global Christian community, too, sadly, there is much that is fake, inauthentic, that is false. And this is nothing new. Jesus warned us long ago to be on the lookout for fake faith, for fake spirituality. Here's Jesus in Matthew 24. Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ, and they will deceive many. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved." False Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. See, I have told you ahead of time. So in the Bible, we find Jesus warning us on numerous occasions to be on the lookout for false prophets, false saviors, and false miracle workers. Jesus warns us here in this passage, Matthew 24, not to let our God down, to let ourselves be deceived. There are going to be many false prophets and false teachers, and many people within the Christian community are going to be deceived. Jesus also stresses here the importance of not even being taken in 
when apparently supernatural things are occurring. Verse 24, false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders. Here are some more references in the Bible where Jesus and others warn us to be on the lookout for that which is fake and false. Matthew 7, here's Jesus, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. This saying of Jesus has found its way into the English language. We all know what a wolf in sheep's clothing is. Someone might look like they're part of God's flock. They may be soft and woolly and cute at first glance, but inside they can be a ferocious wolf. Jesus warns us, watch out. Not everything is always as it appears. The Apostle Paul wrote often too about the need to avoid false teachers. It's a very common theme in his writings. Listen to these sobering words from 1 Timothy 4. The Spirit clearly says that in the later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Who are these people that will abandon the faith? Well, they're clearly people who have a faith to begin with. Believers are going to be deceived by false spirits. In Paul's second letter to Timothy, he similarly warns against the dangers of false teachers in the church. And here Paul spells out the antidote to false teaching, and there is an antidote. There is a, a way to protect ourselves against false teaching. In 2 Timothy 4, Paul writes this, Timothy, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. And here's why that's so critical for Timothy to be preaching the word. Paul goes on, verse 3, For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. This is a very sad prediction. The time is going to come, and I believe it's here, where people will not put up with sound doctrine, i.e. sound doctrine will not be something that they will like. They won't want to put up with it, writes Paul. Instead of people basing their beliefs on God's written word, 
they will find a great number of teachers, fake experts, to say what they want to hear. What are some of the takeaways here? Well, just because lots of people say something doesn't make it true. Paul says there will be a great number of teachers saying what people want to hear. I was also struck by Paul's farewell address to the Ephesian elders, to the leaders of the church in Ephesus. In Acts 20, he writes, I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of God's church, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you, night and day, with tears. This is Paul describing his own ministry warning the Ephesian elders about the need to guard the doctrine of the church, warning about the dangers posed by false teachers, both within and without the church. Paul writes, this has been my constant appeal to you for three years, day and night, with tears. This is something that deeply concerned Paul, that in the Ephesus church, they would stray from good doctrine and it troubled Paul deeply. But it's not just Jesus and Paul who are concerned about false teaching and false manifestations. Here's Peter in 2 Peter 2. He writes, there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies. Many will follow their shameful ways and bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they have made up. So much false teaching today is motivated by greed, by the desire to please one's hearers, to build a following, to entertain, to be popular, to be wealthy. Watch out for preachers who tell stories that they have made up. A preacher's job is to tell God's story, to faithfully expound and to explain the meaning of God's word. John also warns us against that which is fake. 1 John 4, his, his first letter. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone into the world. Do you see the pattern? 
how Jesus, Paul, Peter, John are all deeply concerned about biblical truth and about error coming in and swaying the churches of God. So what can be fake in the Christian community? Sadly, just about anything. The Bible warns us against fake Christians. They may live lives that look so Christian you can't even tell the difference. Judas, for example, was a fake apostle. And he was even called and trained by Jesus. Certainly none of the other disciples suspected there was something wrong with Judas. When Jesus spoke of a betrayer in their midst, they all wondered, well, who could it be? Signs and wonders can be fake. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about how many will come at the day of judgment and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? And Jesus is going to say to those people, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Later in his ministry, Paul ran into problems with fake apostles. And there's certainly enough of them around today. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we read about Paul's run-in with the super apostles. Follow with me, 2 Corinthians 11 rather. He writes, I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you received a different spirit from the one you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. Paul is warning Christians about the need to be discerning when it comes to the very nature of the gospel itself. You may think, well, how could Christians get the gospel wrong? How could Christians make such a basic error? This was, after all, a church that Paul had planted and established, yet after some years have gone by, they have their focus on what Paul calls another Jesus, a different spirit, and a different gospel. And sadly, all over the world today, there are churches preaching another Jesus. A Jesus who is very different to who Jesus really is. There are churches imparting a different spirit. It's not the, the Holy Spirit. And there are churches preaching a different gospel. Though on the surface it might sound the same. Paul says in verse 4 of 2 Corinthians 11, if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, you put up with it. 
He's saying there's a complete lack of discernment. And then in verse 5, Paul says this, But I do not think I am the least inferior to those super apostles. What's going on here? Who are these super apostles? And this is not a term of endearment or respect. It's a term of a contempt. I like the translation super-duper apostles. I think it's a better translation than just super-apostles. Because in the Greek, Paul actually uses two different root words which are translated super. So I think super-duper apostles is a better translation. Paul is saying you've been taken in by these super-duper apostles. In other words, these people claiming to be even more spiritual than the apostles themselves. In verse 13, he says, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Paul in his ministry encountered fake apostles, super-duper apostles, and they were wrecking havoc at the church in Corinth. I hope this brief overview has shown you just how seriously Jesus and the apostles took the threat of false teaching in the church. For the remainder of the sermon, I want us to consider how we can discern the true from the false, the authentic from the fake. The first thing we need to realize is that it will, it will often not be easy. I'm reminded of Jesus' comment about even the elect being deceived, if that were possible. That's almost a contradictory statement, but the inference is clear. Someone was telling me the other day that deep fake video is so good that it is impossible to tell the difference with the human eye. Only a more powerful computer than the computer that created the deep fake can spot it. It can be very difficult to sometimes tell the true from the false. Out in society, much is being done today to identify fake stuff, fake products, and fake news. This is why we have consumer organizations to, to authenticate products. This is why there are fact checkers on the internet to, to to check what is being said. Unfortunately, sometimes the fact checkers get it wrong. But we have to take great lengths to protect ourselves from fake news. How are we to judge whether that sensational little video clip that someone has just WhatsApp to us is in fact true, or whether it's fake news? How do we determine truth from false and that respect? Well, through doing our own careful research, not just accepting things at, at face value. Secondly, by, by talking to experts. 
There's a clever sign that you might see in a doctor's office that says, please don't confuse your Google search for my medical degree. There's a lot of truth in that. Thirdly, the way we tell truth from, from fiction is by not being swayed by fear or emotion. And by not just blindly passing on to other people what we, we're not sure about. These are ways in which we try to put an end to fake news. And there are other precautions that we take as well to protect ourselves from that which is fake. We have antivirus software and anti-malware software on our computers. I have the True Caller app on my phone that shields me from funny phone calls. We have to train our children how to protect themselves online in an online world where pedophiles and others masquerade as preteens and as other young people to entrap people and to groom people. We have to equip ourselves to handle living in a world where there is deception. And organizations need to carefully vet those that work for them, particularly those that work with children. My point is that in this world, it's not easy to protect ourselves from fake stuff, from fake news, fake people. When it comes to the church and to our faith, how can we likewise protect ourselves from what is false? I want to share some general principles and then move into some specific areas. Here are some general guidelines for protecting ourselves from fake spirituality. I think we need to be alert and on the lookout. Just like every email that comes, every news story we read, there needs to be a healthy skepticism. This doesn't mean we lack faith or we're being unchristian. We're just being wise. As Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 21, test everything and hold on to the good. We must recognize too that it's not always going to be easy to tell the truth from the false. Like trying to spot a deep fake video. I'm not sure if you know that even Peter fell into false doctrine, along with most of the Galatian church. That's pretty serious, given he was the person who led the band of disciples. Peter fell into theological error. This is why Paul writes in Galatians 3, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? And in chapter 1, Paul unpacks the problem. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ. And you're turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and they're trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. What does it mean to pervert the gospel? It means to twist it, to distort it, to make it say something that it is not saying. 
Paul's entire ministry was called into question as he was being compared to the super-duper apostles. Why would the Corinthian church do that? It's because they'd been deceived, like these Galatians. We should also recognize, and it's very sobering, that many Christians are going to be deceived in the last days. This too is a strong theme in the Bible. I'm not being alarmist. The picture the Bible paints of the future is of a mass turning away from the true gospel. Here's Jesus again in the Sermon on the Mount. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only he who does the will of my Father in heaven. It's not calling Jesus Lord that makes you a Christian. It's obeying his word. It's, it's doing what he said. Verse 22 of Matthew 7. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, I did this and that in your name and supposedly for you. And Jesus will say, I never knew. Later in Matthew 24, Jesus again says, many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. These are the words of Jesus. We need great humility. Overconfidence is a terrible thing. I have lost track of how many Christians have told me how convinced they are that something is God's will and it's turned out not to be. In recent years, there have even been so-called revival movements that have got the charismatic world very excited. And when we look back on those movements and when the truth comes out and we find out what was going on behind the scenes and when you look at the long-term fruit of some of those movements, you realize and conclude that wasn't of God. There was a lot of heat but little light. There was a big splash but no lasting fruit. There are those today who consider themselves to be super apostles, but they are not. Many of them are false apostles. There are people today preaching to huge congregations, but they are false teachers. Jude is a little letter in the Bible, right near the end, that we don't often hear from. In verse 3 of Jude's letter, he talks about his motive for writing, and he says this, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. Jude is saying here, I was keen to write to you about our salvation and the amazing things that Jesus has done for us. But actually, I've realized 
I need to talk about the need for us to contend for the faith. He goes on to describe the false teachers that in that context were also causing trouble. And he says, they are clouds without rain. They are trees without fruit. They are like wandering stars. Let me unpack these pictures for you. What is a cloud without rain? Well, think of being in a drought and you see a cloud and you get excited and you hope there's going to be rain. But the clouds just fade and in the end, your hopes are dashed. False teachers are like that. They promise a lot, but they deliver nothing. They are clouds without rain. They are Jude says, trees without fruit. They, they, they might look great, lots of branches, but there's no fruit. He calls these false teachers, thirdly, they're wandering stars. In days gone by, people used to navigate using the stars. Imagine trying to, to navigate your way in life using a star that has a random course. He says that's what these false teachers are like. They're, they're like wandering stars. No good for navigating your way in life. So how do we protect ourselves from false spirituality? The most important way is to really know and understand God's Word. The history of the church, all 2,000 years of it, is a long and complex history. By the time we get to the Middle Ages, the church and its life is based on superstitions. The church was corrupt. It was like being back in the, the book of Judges, where everybody did what was right in their own eyes. The greatest decision the church ever made in reforming itself, in rescuing itself from the mire of subjectivity and fallible leaders, was to recognize the Bible as the final and sole authority for all matters of faith and practice. And this is the founding principle upon which our church is built, that the scriptures of the Old and New Testament are the final and sole authority for all matters of faith and practice. Basing our faith on the scriptures alone is the only way to protect ourselves from false and fake spirituality, from being swayed by persuasive leaders, from being deceived by false spirits, from being misled by our own emotions and weaknesses and hurts. It is the scriptures that are God-breathed and useful for training and teaching and equipping people for lives of service. Paul writes to Timothy, you've known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation 
all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. If any prophet ever says something that is contrary to God's written word, it is a false prophecy. When a modern-day Christian prophet speaks, and in the New Testament era, we are all prophetic, we are told in 1 Corinthians 14 that the others should weigh carefully what is said. We don't do that with Scripture. We don't read a verse out of the Gospels or, or out of Corinthians and then stand around saying, well, let's weigh up whether we think this is from God or not. No, when we read the Bible, it is, it is authoritative. But when there is a prophecy, these things are, are nowhere near the level of the teachings of Scripture. They need to be weighed up, for we prophesy in part. Prophecy has to be evaluated and tested. I don't know about you, but one thing that really gets under my skin is when somebody says that I've said something that I didn't say. I really don't like being misquoted. Once Joy Magazine even published a letter that I'd written in to the editor, and they carefully edited what I had written to change the very meaning of my argument. They made it say something completely different to what I had written. I can assure you I was not happy. It's not nice to have your words twisted. And I wonder how God feels when people go around claiming to speak for him, when in fact they are not. I'm often reminded of God's word through Jeremiah about the false prophets. Jeremiah 23. This is what the Lord says. Don't listen to what the prophets are prophesying to you. They fill you with false hopes. And that's what some modern day prophets do. They, they try to say things that, that are going to give people hope, but it can be a false hope at times. They speak visions from their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. Verse 21, I did not send these prophets, yet they have run with their message. I did not speak to them, yet they have prophesied. I've heard what the prophets say, who prophesy lies in my name. They say, but I had a dream. I had a dream. How long will this continue in the hearts of these lying prophets who prophesy the delusions of their own minds? Let the prophet who has a dream tell his dream, but let the one who has my word speak it faithfully. For what has straw to do with grain, declares the Lord. We need to be very discerning when people claim to speak from God apart from re-saying what God has said and revealed 
in his inspired word. And how are we to judge leaders? Hebrews 13 gives us this advice. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. How do you evaluate a teacher of God's word? Well, you, you ask yourself, how is what they're teaching working out for them? What is the fruit like in their own lives? Consider the outcome of their way of life. And Jesus, of course, gave us the fruit test. Matthew 7, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly there are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Before you find a leader that you're going to follow, find out about their life. Is there good fruit? Is there a track record of good ministry, changed lives? Is there godly character? Is there the fruit of the Spirit? And then how do we test signs and wonders and manifestations? Well, are these things really real or is it just hype? Are people experiencing lasting change in their lives as a result of these signs and wonders? Are these claimed healings really verifiable? I'm often amazed at how gullible Christians can be at times. We're often willing to call things miracles that are not miracles. And an unbelieving world looks on incredulously. Let me wrap up this message today. In conclusion, friends, there is a lot of fake news out there in the world. We constantly have to be making decisions. Is that right? Is that true? Is that really so? And when it comes to matters of faith, we likewise have a great need to be spiritually discerning. It is our Christian responsibility. There are just so many warnings in the Bible about false teaching, false prophecy, and false signs and wonders. And there are even super-duper apostles out there. Jesus says to us, watch out, be discerning. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Paul warns us in 2 Timothy 4, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine, but to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth. I want to encourage you in 2021 to contend for the faith, to be discerning, in these days to keep it real let's pray 
Thank you, Lord, for all these warnings in Scripture to be wise, to be discerning. And thank you for your word, which is truth, which is a light unto our path. Thank you that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting. We pray, Lord, that you would... Keep us from that which is fake, that which is false, that which is not of you. And help us all, dear Lord, to contend for the faith. To never be taken in by a different gospel, a different spirit, and a different Jesus. We pray for wisdom. We pray for the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that you, Lord, would lead us into truth and lead us in your ways. We pray this in Jesus' name with thankful hearts. Amen. Thank you for listening today and God bless you.